our entire life has changed as a result of him coming to Mar. Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a podcast produced by Mar Addiction Treatment Centers here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Matt Shedd. Today we're going to focus entirely on the transformative experience that can happen for loved ones of our clients when they participate in Mar's family program. At Mar, we view addiction as a family disease, meaning that when any family member is suffering from addiction, it profoundly impacts all the other members of that family as well. We also believe that recovery is something that family members can be involved in for themselves. In the family member's recovery, they experience healing from the pain caused by addiction and find new means of stability and support. As part of our family program, our clients' family members get their own individual therapist separate from the client's therapist. They also have the opportunity to participate in groups, educational webinars, workbook studies, and the family week here at Moore. This episode focuses on Lori, the wife of one of our clients. Lori's husband, Sam, came to Moore as a client, and we focused a whole episode on his experience in our last episode, number 86 in this podcast. While Sam was at Mar experiencing a transformation, Lori experienced one of her own through her participation in the family program, particularly Family Week. But before we get to that, we'll start off by hearing Lori talk about the dynamics in their marriage. We also hear about Lori's prior reluctance to participate in Al-Anon family groups, a 12-step program for loved ones of alcoholics, and how that reluctance changed into willingness through her participation at Mar. You know, at that time, I still didn't understand my part in all of it. Um, to try to jump back just for a few minutes, I, I know this this is a relapse for him. So in the very first instance when he got sober, um, of course, he went to AA and did all those things, mainly court mandated, I guess. Um, I was all about you go, you get your stuff done you know, go to your meetings and everything will be fine. That's my mentality. I think that's most people's mentality in the family disease until you actually start to understand it. And um, it wasn't until Mar that I really was introduced to that. Mm. Um, I I know Al-Anon is out there. I'm a proud member of Al-Anon today. Um, but prior to that, I I really was kind of reluctant to go I didn't want someone to tell me how to deal with it and live with it. It made me angry. Um, Mar opened my eyes to a totally different perspective of that. Um, And that was once he started going to Mar, they introduced us. Obviously, I had my own counselor um, that I could come and talk to. I mean, I'm local, so I was able to come, which was great. But they do everything over the phone as well. so getting introduced to that and starting to really understand that I had a place in this as well, whether it be a negative or a positive, um, I wasn't, none of this was being done to me. You know, it took me a long time to really start to see that, um, and open up. And I'm just very grateful to Mar for like once a week, they did family, um, calls where we would go over different, you know, areas, boundaries and all sorts of things and really educated us um, that helped me on my journey, which is I wouldn't I honestly would not be where I am today if I was not a part of Mars. Well, that is the honest truth. Those weekly Zoom calls for family members, 
led by a Mar counselor, played an important role in Lori's introductions to the basics of family recovery. She later saw these introductory calls as laying the groundwork for the profound experience of Family Week, in which family members are invited to come to Mar in person to engage in seminars together and participate in therapeutic work with their loved one. Here's Lori talking about Family Week, and specifically the Impact Group, where loved ones and family members have an opportunity to talk to each other in front of the whole group about the effect the addiction has had on their relationship. That was unbelievable. Um, I remember getting prepared for that with my kids. And of course, you know, they give you the breakdown of the three days that you're here. Um, and one of them, there's an instance where you're going to be with them and have to actually um, talk to them about what the disease did to you. Um, that's optional for us, obviously, but for them, it was mandatory for them to get up and talk to us. But we had a lot of anxiety about that coming up um, and just in general. So, but the very first day um, my kids came and they're both teenagers. Um, we came and, you know, met everybody. It's just a strange environment because you're here with all the other family members. And of course you don't realize until you, until you start talking how much in common you have with these people um, but you know you're here to talk about something that's very personal. So um, I'll never forget just like once we – I told my kids, we're going to sit up front. We're going to learn everything that we can. And um, we participated, which is so outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, just you get up and you have to, you know, role play. And um, – that was really interesting because even my kids, like I, I believe it was either Caitlin or Erica, I can't remember, um, would ask questions while we were doing it in front of everybody. Um, you know, to my son, Nick, what does this make you feel like seeing and hearing your mother experience that and, you know, vice versa. And um, it was really interesting that I don't think any of us really realized what was going on. Um, but I, I will say by the time Thursday came and we were in that predicament to have that big open discussion with all the impact of, group. Yes, the impact group. Yes. Um, I was prepared, which was good. And my kids were reluctant. And by the time it started and we had spent such intimate time with the rest of those family members as well. And my kids spoke in all of that, you know, the day before um, they opened up. So it was really, really good and easy for us to actually experience that impact group um, the right way. And I mean, I'm happy to say they actually got up on their own and spoke to him in front of, I mean, it must have been, you know, 30, 40 people about something that's very difficult, you know, and something that affected them. And I will say all my years of like going through this and trying to explain to my husband what, what the addiction is doing to them and us and um, for him to hear it in that moment from them was very impactful. Um, learning experience for both of them, you know, growing experience for both of the kids and him. So um, I don't think that could have ever happened except in an environment like this. Um, but I did meet some of the most amazing people here that I feel like are family. Yes, 
at Mar as well, but like in that group. Um, so Mar introducing us in that way and just spending three days intimately with, with these people. I actually ended up at the very last day asking if we could all share our um, phone numbers. Um, and I started a chat the very next day with all of that family and um, to this day, and we're what, two and a half years into it almost. And I still text them every single night at 8.30. We started off when we left, we started off at a meeting every Monday night at seven o'clock. Um, it was very helpful. I mean, some of them have dropped off some, I mean, they're still on the text, but they don't really engage in it. But there's a handful of us, probably about seven of us that still stay in contact. We're constantly like, you know, helping each other. And just, it's, it's just amazing the things that have come out of Mar. And then of course, my husband is very involved and, um, I'm involved as much as I can be like, you know, whatever, there's something here. He invites me, we come down and, you know, I do know a lot of people here. So it's just, it's a totally different life for us. You know, we used to live two separate lives, I guess, the addiction life and mm -hmm. then the life outside of that. And um, now it's just all ingrained in us and our friendships are different. Our life is different, um, but it takes work one day at a time for sure. You know, we always run into things, but we have better tools to uh, work through them so and support each other. What do you think it was for you about that impact group with all those people um, there that made it so, I mean, they call it impact group. Mm -hmm. What made it so impactful to do that in front of, like, what was that, what did that add to the experience? Well, the three days alone adds to just the fact that you realize you're not alone. You're not the only one that feels this way or that's experiencing this because that's what the disease can make you feel like, honestly. Just, you know, any d addiction in the family can make you just feel like no one else in the world feels like this or goes through this, you know. So you become, you're in denial and um, you live in your own little world. So this impact group really, like, you know, it makes you, it's the humility of it, you know, just actually accepting and opening up to other people that this is going on and then realizing you're not the only one and this is normal, but understanding it also, you start to understand it in a different way and have a different respect for it. You know, again, going back to, I always felt like everything was being done to me, but the impact group was, I think it was great for them because they're taking that step of owning it. Um, and understanding it. And we are doing the same by just being able to talk about what the disease has done to us. I mean, you, for so long, you just keep it all inside, you know? So, um, yeah, it was very impactful. It's a great word for it. Yeah. It was emotions all over the place. Did it feel safe to do it there? Absolutely. And had we done it the first day, probably not, you know, but they have it very well uh, planned out. And it's like the second day towards the end of the day. And um, you're ready by that time. You are. You're ready. You're in a good headspace. It's not it's not about getting up and and um, berating them or, you know, anything of shaming them like we've done all of 
our lives, basically, which I didn't realize I was doing, you know, um, these are things I've, I learned. And um, it definitely is a safe space to do that. And I think he they hear it differently, just as we hear what they're saying to us differently. You know, and I think you can only do that in that type of environment. So you said something about how how significant the disease and the brain that seminar was that Matthew Reese did. What, Very. what specifically? Can you say more about that? Sure, sure. Um, I will say the one thing that really stuck with me was learning about the hedonic set level is how he put it. And um, just talking about, you know, in life, what are natural um, pleasures for us, you know, vacation, going to dinner, um, you know, even intimacy, you know, any of those types of things that give you natural pleasure, you know, with your dopamine and whatnot, um, they lose that in the disease. The, the, the alcohol raises that level, the drugs, whatever the addiction might be, raises the level to where none of those natural life experiences provide them pleasure anymore, which made so much sense to me, you know, why he wouldn't enjoy things like that, you know, and, and a lot of people, especially in Al-Anon today, and they talk about like, you know, the brain doesn't really heal for 18 to 24 months after, you know, being sober. And that, that is the whole, the frontal lobe, like with the logic. And, and I do agree with that, with the logic, you know, they can be logical to some degree, but I try to share that actual experience with some of the people in my group, because like I just had another friend, she just went on vacation with her husband. He's hasn't been, he's been sober for like three months or something. And, you know, she just, she said it was so odd. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to feel like, you know, I just, she almost felt like nothing was there. And, and so actually Sam and he was attending that meeting with me. Um, and we both talked to her just about like how you can't jump into it immediately, especially with like the intimacy and stuff, you know, like that, because, those pleasures have to naturally come back when that hedonic set level starts coming back down to where those natural things in life make him happy again or make them happy again. Um, and that's what we've experienced, which has been amazing, like just slowly at life's pace, but just understanding that that's there. Um, and yeah, that was like huge for me, just understanding that little small little aspect of the huge hour that he spoke. <laughs> right. And I think there's something different about receiving that kind of information in that setting where you're here. Yes. And, you know, you could have read that maybe on an article online, but it wouldn't have had the same impact. Not at all. Not at all. Being here, learning. It was just like being in school. It mm -hmm. was great. You know, he was writing on the board. He was really, really teaching us about it. And, um, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for the experience I had here. You said something else that I wanted to ask about mm -hmm. where the, um, you said you had been unintentionally shaming. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what did you learn about that here at family week? And can you say more about that? Well, um, the shaming, you know, just constantly came from me telling him, what he should and shouldn't do and what he should be doing to the kids or not doing and um, how he's embarrassing. And, you know, I didn't want to be around him. And, 
you know, I had to really come to the realization and detach. Like I had to separate the person from the disease, you know, and, and I lived my life with that's just him. And until I'm happy with him, I'm just going to keep telling him I'm not happy with him. And that's that's a part of shaming somebody, you know, or enabling, you know, I'm I'm constantly fixing things or getting in the way because I'm uncomfortable and like trying to make it all right or lying to someone and, you know, just getting out of the way and not enabling um, allows him to, well, for one, I'm not shaming him and allows him to have his own dignity, right. And try to work through things. And I, I never saw or understood any of that, you know, and I mean, I'd like to think I'm a smart person, but you just get so caught up in it and, you know, just wishing that your life was like what you see on the Hallmark commercial, I guess. <laughs> um, that's not reality, you know, and quite honestly, our relationship today, and we've been married 24 years, is better today than it has ever been. And we had a great relationship in the beginning, you know, the disease didn't happen until a little bit later. Um, but yeah, better than before. And I'd think he would probably say the same thing just our connection is totally different and our respect for each other and trying to understand where we are and that we're not in the same space all the time and yeah it's we've learned so much and you know he come like I said he comes here twice a week still um he's so tied into this place and it shows it shows in his life like the relationships he has and just what he experiences it's priceless mm. Um, I do share, I share about our experience here at Mar and what has happened for us and that there is hope for people. I, I see, I see myself, you know, two years ago, like sitting there going, I was there and I didn't think I could be where I am today. And I have a lot of growing to do. You know, I have a sponsor, I have someone that's helping me through things and, um, yeah, life is, it's, it's really turned around and i Oh, a huge portion of that tomorrow for, for myself as well. <laughs> Do you remember the feeling of you? So you and your two kids were at family week. What was the feeling like for you all going back home, you know, getting in the car, leaving here after that? And how did you all feel about where your family was in that process? Um. Definitely hopeful. Um, I will say that, and this just goes along with just the learning process of everything. Um, I do remember constantly talking to my kids about it, like trying to make them relive it, you know, and um, here's a book. Let's read this. Let's do this. I, I actually hired somebody that um, does work with families as well. And he worked with us for like three months, just myself and the kids on some exercises, you know, and I just remember, Oh, we got to fill this out. We have to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and in my process of going through all this, I have learned that, um, I have to, I'm enabling them as well. And, and even leaving here, I wanted so much for them to just like be where I was in the headspace and stay there. And I have learned that I, I can't do that with them. It's on their own time. And, you know, another thing that I, I've really learned from here and 
figuring out all the different people that were here, whether it was a parent or a sibling, you know, or a spouse, our relationships are all different with them, you know, and, and my vision of that was always telling my kids, we got to do this, we have to do this, you know, but it's different for them that that's their father. It's their childhood, you know, their, their mind is not where my mind is. I'm in my fifties, you know, this is my husband, this totally different scenario. So, um, I would say that the experience of what we had here was great and leaving with it. My kids will still talk about it today. They remember it. It was very beneficial for them. Um, my daughter's actually getting her own help, which is great. Um, my son's not there yet, but I mean, he's, he's doing good. Um, but I, I do see him carry some of this over into his relationships. Um, but by backing off and letting them do it at their own pace, that's what has worked the best. Um, but they do, they do very much remember being here and they're on that same group that I tell you the text. Mm. So they're involved with it every day. You know, I send something about it. So um, great kickstart, I guess, is how I would put it, you know, but I've had to let go. Sure. Um, and just do my own, stay on my own path. Right. I guess the last question I would have for you is what would you like to pass on to people that are listening that find themselves in a dark place that are family members and and just kind of at wit's end and not knowing what to do? I would honestly say that you really have to give Al-Anon a try. I know that that is um, cliche. A lot of people are like, Al-Anon's out there, go do it. I remember even going in for the very first time and I was like, I don't belong here. You know, I don't have some of these problems that people, these people are sharing. Um, but there's always that one person that says something that clicks with you and you're like, that's exactly what I went through. That's exactly how I feel. And from that day on, I promise when you leave, you'll feel so different already. Like you will feel like that you can start to handle what's going on in your life. I mean, I got to a point where I was like, I'm going to die. I'm literally going to just die because I don't know where to go, what to do, and I can't live like this. Um, so I would, my advice would just be, you know, if your loved one's obviously getting some help and recovery to try to also do that at the same time for yourself. And you will definitely have success in finding just some hope. All right, that's it for this episode. If you want to hear Lori's husband, Sam, tell his story about what happened here in treatment at Mar, you can hear that on our last episode. That's number 86 of this podcast. And if you'd like to reach us, you can email us at podcast at marinc.org. That's podcast at marrinc.org. My name is Matt Shedd. Our executive producer is David Tate. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're already looking forward to next time.